Hi, church family. It is good to see you through the screen, knowing that you have desired to hear the Word of God. Thank you, Pastor Dan and everybody involved, worship team, for all that you do. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. And I want to encourage you today, as we conclude this series, to bask in the greatness of our God, to know who He is and to walk in that truth. It is amazing who He is. And I'll tell you what, I, I have desired to say the right things in every aspect of His attributes, but you know, He's greater than I could ever explain to you. And I'm so thrilled that you have a desire to know the Word of God and to worship Him. So let's restate something we have stated from the beginning of this series. Attributes are not something God has. It is something that God is. We need to rejoice in that. I know with some of the tribulations, some of the things that are going on, the struggles, some of the relationships that maybe you've had struggles with, But I want you to understand we can laugh in the very face of the things we have experienced. Why? Because we know exactly who our God is. He's wonderful Father who loves you dearly. This statement tells us if we don't have the right concept of who God is, then you will make mistakes. You see, because it's who He is. If you don't know who he is, you will make mistakes. How you make choices depends on the way you see God. So remember this. We really don't worship God. We worship our concept of God until it becomes personal. Until the reality of knowing God in a personal way There are millions that are born again that go to heaven, but they're not going to experience the power and the love and just the, the greatness of their God until it becomes personal to them. When we pray to God, we pray to our concept of God until it again becomes personal. God's attributes are his distinct character qualities of who and what he is. Remember the title, God is what? Speaking of his attributes. And today we're going to conclude on love. The bottom line goal of this series was to introduce and cement in you God. Just think of that the creator of the universe, as we have experienced his attributes, knowing how much he loves us. Who you believe he is, is what you will conceive in your heart and actually what you will become. It's either faith or fear, love or hate. So what we have learned is that God not only loves you, He is love. I took you to 1 John chapter 4, 
And I want to read that again to you because I want to use that term again. I want to cement in you what John really experienced in a personal way with God who loves him. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also should love one another. No one has seen God at any time, and if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Let's continue verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is love, so are we in this world. I want to say that again, and you're going to get that. This is what I'm going to focus on today. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is love, so are we love in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment, notice commandment, we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. So we found in order to love someone, you must know God. I know that's hard concept to grab a hold of. We found in order to love someone, you must know God, because God is love, and the only way to really love is to know personally love, who is God. So the Bible tells us what love is. As I began to give you some points last week, we found out that love is a choice. That emotions are to follow your will. Love is a commandment, and we need to think this out. How could God command us to love if it was just an emotion? We live in a world that says that you need to fix your emotions. I'm telling you, don't fix your emotions. What I'm telling you is allow your emotions to do its work in you, drawing you to God. No matter what you face, no matter what hurt, what failure took place, anybody that has done anything wrong towards you, you allow your emotions to draw you to God in worship in a personal way. And what you will experience is you will experience perfect love. Again, love is a choice, and you're commanded to love. 
And my second point I left with you last week, and we just stated it, and I'm going to explain it to you today. Love is unselfish. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we find in verses 1 through 8, we find in verses 1 through 3 are the importance of love. Verse 4 through 8 are the definition of love. So let's begin to read this and find the importance of love and then the definition of love so that we can live this in our lives again knowing the character of God. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with tongues, the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. What we're finding here in the first couple of verses, it speaks of a believer, and it really speaks of a believer who's a good one. I don't think that's something we need to measure each other out, but I'll tell you what, he, he's a good one because he literally has all this. A guy who speaks with tongues of men and angels, a guy who has a gift of prophecy and understands all mysteries, he has all faith, so he can actually move mountains. I want to be around that guy. But listen closely. He is a great man. She is a great woman. But if he or she has no love, the Bible says he or she is nothing. But we need to grasp a hold of this. We're talking about personal relationship with God We may be going to heaven, but I'll tell you what, what God wants us to do is to know him personally so that love can just evolve and and manifest itself in us. Let's continue, verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. A guy who, or, or a lady who's, who's done so many things in the kingdom of God and has helped so many people. And again, the Bible says, if I don't have love, how do you get love? By personally knowing God. He can do amazing things, and it profits him nothing because not knowing love. So now let's look at the definition of love. Verse 4. Verse 4 says, love suffers long. Society today, we don't like that word, suffer. Love is kind. We're speaking of the definition of love or who he is. God suffers long. He's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Verse 5, love doesn't behave rudely. Love doesn't seek its own, does not seek its own, or is not selfish. We talked about that last week. Love is not provoked. You're not easily offended. 
and love seeks no evil. Verse 6, love does not rejoice in iniquity, or it doesn't remember bad things. How many times have you had conversations with people, and, and they're talking about someone, and all of a sudden they remember something 20 years ago, and they're still frustrated or angry over it? And what I'm saying is this, and it's a great saying, is we need to get over ourselves, and we need to get on to who God is. And let God become the very essence of how we live our lives. And I'm going to show you this in a little bit, and it's just going to blow you away what Scripture tells us to do, how we can win in life, and how we can overcome all the junk in this world, how we can have victory in the midst of chaos. Is that what you want? The Bible says it's easy to do. It's easy to do to know God who is love. So this is what love does in verse 6. It rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Verse 8, love sometimes fails. No, 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 that's not what it says. Love never fails. Love never fails. But I don't feel that way. You don't go by your feelings. You're the will, your emotions follow your will, and your will is to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to worship the God that he is love. He just doesn't love. He is love. The very essence of God, when you know him personally and you're around him, what happens is you begin to walk in this amazing love. That's the definition of love. The very nature of God is to give and not to take. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, loving is giving. You got to watch your, your giving meter. If you find yourself so frustrated in, in life and different things, and you're not giving, I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about caring for someone. And, and I know we're social distancing, but when all this is over, that you give someone a hug, you hang on to someone, you grab a hold of their elbow, and you say, come on, you're not alone. You can do this. You got to watch your giving meter. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Hmm. Now what we're seeing, what the Bible is saying, so we are commanded to love the Lord and to love others. So the question is, and I know I'm far from perfect, how do you love me being far from perfect? How do you love those around you when they're far from perfect? Or how do you love when you're far from perfect? How do you do that? You lay down your life for the Lord and for others. Oh, but that's a religious term. That's, a, that's one of those things. No, it's a spiritual term, but it's life when you know God. It's simple when you're personal with God. So listen to this. I cannot lay down my life for others 
until I lay down my life for the Lord. I can't love my brother or sister until I lay down my life for the Lord. Now, this sounds a little mixed up, but here it goes. Let me just give to the bottom line of it. I can't lay down my life for the Lord until I lay down my life. I mean, are you seeing that? Are you, are you grabbing hold of that? I can't lay down my life for the Lord until I learn to lay down my life. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. Here's the definition of laying down your life. Ready? Die. I cannot do all this until I just die to self. I'm not talking about physical death. The reason why there are so many problems in the church is we are helping live people, not dead people. Follow my thought. The reason marriage counseling is difficult is because there are two live people, not two dead people who are married, dying to self. If people would get out of the way of God's plans by dying, many problems in life would be settled. See, the reason for most of our problems is we have set up in the casket of dying to the flesh. Let me say it a different way. You're laying in the casket of dying to self. But when situations come up, you sit up. You sit up. Get back in your casket. Dying is giving up your rights too. In Galatians 2.20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me just tell you, I smiled there because I, I heard in my heart the Holy Spirit laughing at my illustration. He kind of liked it. But you know what? He was laughing at what he gave me. <laughs> Mark chapter 10, verse 28 says, Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Look at that. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time? Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. Hey, in this world, you will have persecution. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Let me just put that into just a, a nugget for you. If I let go of my right to be happy, God will see to it, I will have happy return to me 100-fold. Every area of your life. See, that's the, the distinct understanding of God who is love. If you lay down your life and your wife lays down her life, you both died, you will fall madly in love. 
you will fall madly in love. That's how it works. You come in agreement to God's word. The third thing about love. Love is unconditional. Love has no conditions. God loved you before you loved him. We need to get this, church. God loved you before you performed. How many people struggle in life because their parents or grandparents or older siblings would always cut them down and we hear about bullying. All this stuff is real in life. But you know what all this stuff is all about? It's a spiritual thing trying to remove you away from the truth of God is love. And when you're personal with God, that love will come in you and you will be able to overcome everything in your life that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy from you. God loved you before you performed in this life. Unconditional love is the healthiest thing in the world. Conditional love is so unhealthy. So what does this tell us about God? The answer is, your heavenly Father will always love you, no matter what. Romans 8, it gives you a greater understanding of Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, dying to self. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let me ask you a question. Why can nothing separate us from the love of God? Here's your answer. God, who is love, is unconditional. I'm going to say it again. God, love is he, it's unconditional. You were created as a target for God's love. Every person in the world was created as a target for God's love. He created you because he wanted you. God loves you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop eating what you're eating right now and hear this. God loves you. Some of you don't get that yet. Some of friends that have joined us, maybe you don't even know the Lord as your Savior. But I want to tell you, God loves you. Wait a minute. You didn't hear it yet. God, yes, God loves you. The reason some have a problem giving love is because they have a problem receiving love. 
I have sat in my office many times with people. And I think I have a little bit of experience, but let me just, I'm not trying to say anything of my ability or whatever. And I've tried everything to get them to understand the next step in their life. Not telling them what to do, but just they have a question. They're struggling with something. I show them scripture. This is what God says. This is the next step. And they just struggle doing it. They come back the next session, next time together, and they're still struggling with it. Why are they struggling with it? You know, sometimes I'll, I, I thought I was clear. I thought they said they understood. It's because sometimes we have a problem receiving love, getting personal with God, and allowing that love to permeate every fiber of our being. See, this love of God is unconditional. 1 Peter 4.8 says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Verse 8 tells us, love needs a recipient. Love must love. Here's the last thing I want to bring to you as we close and we close this series. Oh, I want you to live your life from this point on knowing who God is. It changes everything. Love has three aspects. Commitment, passion, and intimacy. Commitment is what we've covered. Choice, being unselfish, and being unconditional. Being committed to that. Being committed to it's a choice. Even though I feel the way I feel, I choose to do this. Being unselfish and making sure it's unconditional. But the world, what they try to do, what we try to do even in church, is we start with passion and we bypass commitment trying to have intimacy. Love is a commitment. It's a choice. So what do you do if you have commitment but no passion? You have to build intimacy. See, commitment plus intimacy produces passion. Some people get up in the morning and say, you know, I just... I just don't feel like God loves me. Wait, 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 wait. God is love. There's nothing he can do to not love you. Well, how do you build that intimacy then? Here it is. Heart-to-heart communication. I know where our mind goes when we hear the word intimacy. And I love it when married people go to that because that's part of marriage. Heart-to-heart communication. Intimacy with God, intimacy with friends. In the midst of a shutdown, in the midst of social separation, all the above, it just, we just feel like this, this thing where we're separated. No, we're not. No, we're not. Heart-to-heart communication with one another. 
See, guys, I need to talk to you. Most men do not know how to do this. And I want to say to you, all you ladies, ladies, realize that. Mothers, help your sons to live this out. Help your sons to live this way. Teach your sons how to communicate. Give that extra minute. Sit down with them and say, tell me, what are you thinking? (laughs) See, men, your wives want to talk to your heart, not your mind. I'll tell you what, I, I fight that, you know, from even giftings that God's given me. I fight that because I'm always thinking, what's the next step? I'm always thinking, what do I need to do next? Sometimes I just need to stop my mind from moving and shut up and listen. I'm being pretty frank here. And just listen to what my wife's heart is saying to my heart. Let it bypass the mind and all the stuff and the schedules and everything that I'm involved in, the busyness, and let it sink into the heart. So wives, if your husband came from the factory defective of intimacy, help them talk. Help them talk. See, there is hope in any area of your life because God is love. Pastor Dan is going to come up in a moment, but I want to say this to you. Get personal with him. And as the Bible says, live out your salvation. How do you do that? How do you live out your salvation? By knowing who God is. But in what we just taught on God is love. By knowing the answer to God is what? He's everything to you. He's everything to me. And when you recognize this, and the whole foundation of everything, of who he is, is love, then you're going to be able to respond and become so intimate with him, intimate with your friends, and especially with your family during this shutdown. Church family, Ask God to overwhelm your home with this amazing commitment so that you walk in passion towards one another and intimacy is there. Why? Because you're talking heart to heart. Remember, God loves you. Pastor Dan. Thank you, Pastor Gary. Wonderful, wonderful message on the love of God. As I was sitting there, I I just sensed the Lord speaking to me. um, We always want to give an opportunity for those that don't know the Lord to receive God's gift of salvation. It's such an easy thing to do because Jesus has already paid the price. He went to the cross for us. He bore our sickness. He bore our sins. The very punishment that that we should have had. Jesus came 
and he took it upon himself, and he paid the price for us. And so the free gift of salvation is right there. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. I recognize that you're God, that you went to the cross for me. You loved me so much. You were committed to us as humanity, and you paid the price for my salvation. I want your free gift of grace. Come into my heart. Take over. Help me with my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Such an easy thing to do. And if you've done that, as we've said before, uh, there's a comment field on the website there to the right-hand side of the screen. And if you'd just go ahead, go ahead and leave a comment there that you receive God's grace, we'd love to be able to rejoice with you in that. As Pastor was preaching, uh, bringing forth this wonderful message, uh, I just, as he was talking about marriages, I just heard the Lord talking about uh, he wanted me to give an opportunity for you to start fresh and new in your marriage. Also, he was talking to me about relationships with children and relationships with coworkers, that especially today there are so many people that are frustrated with the lockdown, with the restrictions that we have, and uh, people just aren't at their best sometimes uh, when they're under this kind of pressure. And so the Lord was just saying that I heard him say it's time to let go of some things. Will you let go of your frustrations? Will you choose to let go of offense? Will you choose to let go of your woundedness instead of carrying these, on, these things on through life and allowing them to bring bitterness into your life? Will you say, Lord, enough is enough. I choose to let these things go. And you may even be saying, as Pastor was talking about, I don't know how to love. Uh, I've never really taken the time to delve into this. And you have to understand that the love of God is different from man's love. Uh, this is the agape love, the God kind of love. The great thing about this is you are walking around every day with the fullness of the love of God on the inside of you right now. You might be saying, well, I don't know how to operate in love, but you've got the fullness of love on the inside of you because the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, says that God is love. And you've heard pastors say it doesn't mean that he has love, which he does, but it's because of who he is, his attribute of being love. John 1.16 tells us of his fullness we have all received. So you've got the fullness of the love of God residing on the inside of you right now. All you need to do is get before the Lord and just be honest and open and say, Lord, I don't know how to love. I don't know how to walk in this gift of love. I don't know how to walk in a human form of love, let alone the God kind of love. The Lord says that he's just waiting for you to make that admission to him. And he says, I'm right there to help you and walk you through this. He wants you to know it's going to be a process. It's going to be a journey. It's not going to be something that changes overnight, but it will change as you, be, as you begin to walk with him with a desire to have his love resonating through you. And you will see great changes take place in your life. Let me just pray for you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this great gift of your love to each one of us. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we just say right now, help us with our love walk. Help us 
to do better. Help us to walk in your love. Teach us, Lord, what this love is all about. We're open, we're available, we're teachable, and we're asking you to lead us and guide us into this new dimension of your grace. And Lord, we thank you for it today. Forgive us, Lord, for all the times that we've walked in ugliness and we've walked in being offensive to other people. And Lord, we receive of your forgiveness today and we thank you for washing us new, cleansing us from all unrighteousness, as it says in 1 John 1, 9. And Lord, we thank you for this gift of grace in a mighty way. We love you and thank you. Amen and amen. God bless you and have a wonderful week. We'll be with you again next Sunday. Bye-bye.